0: Tom, what convenience store junk food should be elevated to haute cuisine?
1: Ooh, I'm going
3: to go with crushed Pringles sour cream and onion chips. And what are you going to do with that shit? I think I'm going to put it as a breadcrumb uh, on like a, kind of a steak sauce or something like that. Maybe with some uh, caramelized onions and throw a little bit of crunch on top of that. Works for me.
0: Dear Knives, I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, season six rewatch, getting to sort of the uh, the halfway mark, nine chefs left. Uh, we're in Vegas. There is some interpersonal conflict. There's also just a clear demarcation between the, the, the high and the low in the kitchen.
3: We are separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Like this was the episode where... If you didn't realize that there were four clear front runners in this competition, we had those four contestants meet at the final elimination challenge here. So it was it was the only the only chefs that have won a competition ep- at elimination competition entering this episode was Brian Voltaggio, who had three wins, Kevin, who uh, had two wins. And then we had Jen and Michael Voltaggio split, you know, both having a win. So if you were going to design a perfect murderer's row of four uh, top chefs in an elimination challenge at the judges table, it would go Brian Voltaggio, Michael Voltaggio, Kevin and Jen. And here we are, episode eight, and all four of them have made it to the final stage. And I think, you know, if you're watching this cold, you're like,
0: man – that might be the, the finalists. Yeah, it was it was so interesting how, and we'll get to the elimination, that you could almost, the divisions were perfectly delineated, right? You had the top four are truly the top four, the bottom yeah. three are just pumping along. And then you got sort of the, the 500 players, you know, sort of middle of the pack, Isabella and Eli, which by the way can change at any moment. But it's we've had such interesting seasons recently that you just forget what a season looks like. It's kind of like watching baseball back in the 80s. Like, you just knew, like, look, the Cardinals and the Phillies are going to be up in the top part of the division, and then, like, it, it just... You, you kind of knew going in, maybe there would be a surprise or not, but you knew what you were getting into. The NBA was like that too, where it just, there are no surprises. There's no parody. These are the really good teams. These are the really bad teams. And these are the teams that could go either way. Uh, the, the quick fire, Charlie Palmer, pioneer of American cooking. That's a that's a real heavyweight for them, Tom.
3: Yeah. And I uh, I look at this guy and I don't know too much about him. Maybe you can, you can fill me in here, but- He's got a mean light mustache. You never really see light mustaches little anymore. Little pencil pencil kind of uh Usually style you see yeah, usually you see mustaches that are fully grown in that have been, you know, cut off, tapered from a full beard. But no, Charlie Palmer's like I'm going to grow in my mustache. You never really see that anymore. No, it kind of like a bad guy in a James Cagney movie kind of a little bit. <laughs> yes, yes, he, and and I I don't know whether he always does that look, or he's just freshly cut after a couple of days, and he wants to get that mushroom, mushroom mustache back. Um, but you know, this is interesting because it's a little bit of an inside job here, Kevin, with with uh, the Voltaggio brothers both working for him, and Brian Voltaggio. This is like this is like you know um, Derek Jones Jr. being in the uh, in the dunk contest with Dwayne Wade being the judge, like. These guys are longtime teammates, and I don't know if I'm Robin or if I'm Isabella or if I'm Jen. I'm feeling real good about a Voltaggio ment- mentor being uh, a judge for the Quickfire.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I would file a protest with the league office if I, 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 I were I would be, too. Uh, you know, so uh, it's now uh, I, I believe you know, Charlie Palmer Steak, um, one of our recent guests in the past couple seasons, I, I felt like cut their teeth. And a problem speaking. Now I can't remember, so I, I'm just. Well, we I, know I, Brian Bilottaio worked there for ten years. Right, we know so, that. I, I think there might have been others. I, I, I forget. But um, so he's got
3: like a pop tree, is what you're saying?
0: I, I think he does have a tree, and he he's huge in Healdsburg, which, by the way, Healdsburg, California, which is where his uh, his Pinky Pinot Festival is going to be, is where I broke my wrist in 1997. I will have you know. Okay. I had I um, spent I spent a full afternoon in an emergency room in Healdsburg, fell off my bike. And uh, so it will always be the answer to a trivia question in my world uh, but it is a it is it is one is it's basically his culinary capital now so there's oh, that wow I, I kind of I, I like this episode all, all, all things considered I think for when you you consider the quick fire and the elimination challenge just just in terms of competition. Uh, it, I it, per our cold open the, the the incorporate a snack food into mm. your thing. I, I love funyuns. That would have been the answer. Which by the way, the funyuns are kind of a cousin of your delicious. I will say Pringles sour cream and onion Pringle is a is a fine product. Tom,
3: Kevin, uh, I just spent a week with my my extended family in a house, very much like the road rules real world aspect of this episode. Um, where I I think for the first time all season, we got like true, it, like road rules, real world. Uh, like this was a reality TV show. And um, one of the things that I was so happy about while I was out um, with my family is that my niece and nephew love sour cream and onion Pringles. Who does And they brought it, Kevin, and it was like opening up, Uh, you know, just an old pack of baseball cards. The smell comes back and you chomp into a couple of them. Sometimes you might do the little duck thing where you flip over one of them into a duck bill in your mouth. Pringles, it's not just the marketing. Once you pop, you can't stop. That's real. That's not fake. Like once you pop one Pringle, you can't, Stop eating them, I found. And it is delicious. Uh, I love the Pringles. It is – I don't I don't think it's real. It, I mean they might not even be made out
0: of potatoes. I don't care. It's a brilliant 42%, marketing – 42% potato. Shut up. 42%.
3: <laughs> What's the other 58, Kevin?
0: I'm not going to tell you.
3: <laughs> I don't want to know. You don't wanna I don't want to know. Maybe it's just deliciousness. The other 58%
0: is delicious. How about that? Uh, there are uh, – it, it, it's a great – and I'll tell you, you're going to you're going to laugh. I, I do love your sour cream. I mean, I'll take good old plain, like a good old plain. You, <laughs> no. you don't have to wasabi that up. You don't have to give me your barbecue sauce. I don't need your ranch. I don't need your hot and spicy. You, you like good old you fashioned, up? good old fashioned, straight up. Wait, do you canned. do you
3: like the, the, the are you aficionado of the like regular
0: lays? I'm not Can I say this. I'm not much of a Frito-Lay guy. I'm I, I, you don't get me with Cheetos, you don't get me with Lay's, you don't get me I with Frito. I know what it's about. I'm it's, not, about I'm not a, no, it's, it's about hygiene. No, it's not even that it it's not yeah is. the orange shit no, like on the fingers notwithstanding. I don't think Frito-Lay is a great product. I don't think there's Doritos yes, okay, Doritos have a, a certain place, but I think you, you did you used to get that little variety pack for like camp and stuff. Oh, you yeah, know, the, like yes. And you know, nobody wanted anything other than the Doritos. You'd be sitting there in the back of the pantry would be like a bunch of old leftover Fritos bags and freaking regular Lay's.
3: No, look, I'm going to push back on your Frito hate here. Fr- Cheetos. I'm real- so Fritos, I love because of the salt. I feel like the, the they're the saltiest of the of the pack.
0: They're fine, but it's corn. Who cares? And the truth is also, I mean, Cheetos have their charm. I know people love Cheetos. Give me the Planters cheese ball any day over Cheetos. Ooh, give me a Planters yeah. cheese ball, Tom. Yeah, and they're way more fun to eat. Yeah, and also they don't throw, think about, toss them in the air a little bit. Not as much schmutz on the fingers. Don't like the schmutz on the fingers. Don't like powdered orange shit on my hands. See, not that's what I think
3: it's about. You might say it's not about the powdered shit or like the grease, um, but that's what I think hey,
0: it's, it's about hey, it's with the like, legs. Look, look, I, I know you're, you're trying to shame me as as a as a, a germaphobe, but like, dude, I'll pick up a full rack of ribs. I don't care about getting things. <laughs> it, it's not that. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the granularity. Anyway, let, let, well, let's, I, I, let's well, move back
3: to, to go back to the episode, right. Kevin, yeah. I've got two kids and That's your problem. there's, there's nothing, <laughs> there's no, there's nothing better than food that if you're out for the day and you just need to whip up something healthy or some, something like sweet potato fries Get it out of the freezer, throw it in the oven, and boom, it's done. It's ready to go. Chicken nuggets, whatever organic chicken nuggets that my wife buys. I'm all for the frozen thing that you can just throw it into the oven and then it'll be ready. So this Alexia – what is it? Alexia um, snacks. I'm I'm pretty sure we've used Alexia. And this is – Alexia, if you're listening, please sponsor the show. Um, They they actually – I think i have been in my house before, so I I looked it up trying to see if this company we I did a, a kind of like where are they now for this this snack. Um, I think we've actually done some Alexia in this house.
0: Interesting. Uh, I, I love, but back to you. Funyuns to me are, are just a great item, and which I think the onion Alexia is essentially a, a, an off-brand funyun. Um, but actually, if we're trying to get them as an sponsors, elevated it's a funyun, really bad pitch. Yeah, an elevated funyun. I mean, it was. I don't I don't think there was anything particularly notable about this quickfire. Do you have any takeaways? I mean, Robin finished on the bottom again, along with, you know, Jen mm. Carroll, rare, uh, rare bottom finish. But did you knew- catch her trying to air condition her pork chop? Yeah. And like, she knew it right away. Man, she's <laughs> like, you know, pork chop's overdone. What are you going to do? Um, and then Ash with his classic, uh, I, I know he was going to, he was going to build a world. And then it ended up being just a, oh, a chilled man. soup, barbecue so much chips be- on the side. That was, that was, uh, that it was painful, and then everybody's better noir. No, she's not really a better noir. She's more just a. She's not even a villain. She, she's just sort of a. She, she's like Piggy in Lord of the Flies. Robin, um, just with her sweet corn panna cotta did not did not rate well. Uh, I got you- really confused.
3: I w- I thought that they were supposed to incorporate the snack within the dish, and then I got a little confused once they started displaying the dish. Like, oh, what did you do here? And then they showed the the food porn shot of their dish. And they had a little like bowl of their snack on the side. And I was like, wait, so are they pairing the snack with the dish? No, it was just – it was a little bit of a red herring there. I thought it was they're incorporating the dish within the dish and they did that, yes. But they also had like a side dish of their snack just to kind of do an ad, product placement, whatever. So I was a little bit confused about this. But I think going the onion route was very smart because – I think onion uh, is you know like we said with the with the uh, funyun and the sour cream and onion uh, Pringles, kind of crunch it up into breadcrumbs and it's and it's really good. Um, are you a fan on the funyun question? Are you a fan of putting like an onion ring on your burger?
0: Yes. Yeah, I I, I just I love onions and I love onion rings and I love artificially flavored onion. And I love naturally flavored onions. Um I love that onions <laughs> can fry up. I love that onion, they can be onion. caramelized. Like onions really like if you want to like in the great hall of the under the most underrated edible food in this, as opposed to the inedible foods, in this world are onions. Onions get no respect. They are in everything. You need them. You really can't even cook without them. There are certain civilizations where nothing grows, where the onion is like a staple. Um onions are amazing. And yet yeah. they're just never get a lot of gloss The only place that has ever really fully honored the onion is what longhorn steaks the the the, the onion blossom right or am I oh, a, no, no. oh no no no! outback. Oh my god! Look, I, I have hit. actually
3: in oh, college, my Kevin. My fresh, my sophomore year, I didn't have much cash on me, and my uh, my the seniors in my fraternity. Yes, I was in a fraternity. The seniors in my fraternity walked into my room. They're like, "Hey, we're going to Outback Steakhouse. You want in?" I said, "Ah, oh, guys, I don't have any cash on me. Like, I don't think I can. I can go out to dinner with you guys. I'm gonna go on campus and grab some food." And uh, they go, "I will pay." Your entire meal, if you can eat an entire bloomin' onion and a platter of loaded cheese fries before we get our entrees, and I said done. So, Kevin, I sat there. I was 19 years old, an Outback Steakhouse. I was prime eating, like prime eating shape, prime appetite. I could eat any. I could eat an entire tire at this point. And I put down a bloomin' onion and a platter of loaded cheese fries. Loaded cheese fries is got bacon and stuff on it. Um, well before they got their entrees. So I got a free meal out of that. The Bloomin' Onion is delicious. I love a good Bloomin' Onion from Outback.
0: Yeah, I mean, Varsity Onion Rings in Atlanta, Georgia, come a close second for me. Probably actually at number one for me. Um, But the onion just doesn't get highlighted. I would have a – I think you could do like a Top Chef Onion Challenge. I'm sure probably there has been one over 17 seasons, but – you know, Kevin, I, even like even the- I disrespect onions. I, I, I'm even an hypocrite myself. You know why? Because I've started bumping out onions in favor of shallots for whenever onions are called for. Ever since I read Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, like shallots are the great secret weapon. So even as I sit here and honor mm. onions, I do disrespect onions all the time by upgrading in the, the veggie
3: In the veggie March Madness tournament, is it's onion not really a veggie. free seed?
0: It's not well, really well, an, like, a – it's a, it's it a fruit? Root. It it's, fruit? A, it's an onion. I mean that's kind of the brilliant thing about onions. Like they're not even really – It's like they're not really a vegetable. I mean they are but they're not. It's not like there's a leafy green, not even like a a carrot or a turnip or a parsnip. It's just they're onions. They're onions. They're just – they are there to service everything else. Even in your blooming onion, they're really there to service the batter. They're a vehicle. (laughs) No. They're they're vehicular food. You know what I don't like though,
3: Kevin, is when you bite into an onion ring uh, softly. If you do a soft bite into an onion ring, you just pull out the onion.
0: Oh, you do that. Those varsity onion rings do that. Yeah, you don't want to do I'm, the pull. Like you got to really chop. No, because it's it's fine. Because then you get like you have that all that yummy batter and crispy. <laughs> Wait, so you, prefer, so you prefer to pull pull out the there's the no whole bad onion way to eat there. a varsity onion ring. There is no bad way to eat a varsity <laughs> onion ring. So speaking of varsity in Atlanta, the two Atlantans were in the top three of the Quick Fire Challenge. Eli comes strong, wins it all. Tom wins the full quick fire. His first win with a clam and warm potato salad, with a with a cold fennel celery salad. Um, up until this point, I didn't really respect him as as a true contestant
3: until this quick fire, where where he had that dish. Um, it looked beautiful. It looked like something that uh, Brian Voltaggio would make. Um, it was it was a strong dish. And we kind of got the, a lot of vignettes in this one with Eli, like a little bit of, um, you know, I live at home with my parents in Atlanta. He's 25 years old. So he he's definitely in the very spirit of Top Chef, one of those prospects, up-and-comers that um, really just came out strong in this episode.
0: Yeah, and Kevin Kevin is cooking his ass off right now in this season. He is cooking his ass off. Warm bean salad, tomato confit. I'm always amazed when I get, see a dish because I do tomato confit straight out of the Jelena cookbook. But You got to take like two and a half hours for that shit. Mm. You got to like, you know, you got to, first of all, you got to kind of peel the skins. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to cover it in oil. Then you got to really like, I mean, that's the confit. It's got to sit in the fat. And I'm always amazed when a guy like Kevin can just come out in 20, 30 minutes and do a tomato confit salad. Like. I don't know how he's expediting that, but he's doing it and he has his little cream corn. It was such a great southern dish. And then Brian Voltaggio keeps it simple. I don't know why more people didn't do this. Little seared red ri- eye ri- ribeye using that onion product. I mean onion and ribeye. What, what else do you want? Like this is, That's this what is I was easy. In.
3: That's what I'm thinking in my head, Kevin, is the Brian Voltaggio Vol- Vol- dish. Now he – once again – Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. On the on the quick fire, came this close. Eli, you gotta let down a little bit and give Brian Voltaggio the quick fire. So close to winning that that first quick fire. Now, his brother Michael Voltaggio didn't get in the top three here, and I just want to note, Michael at the top of the show said, "Hey, Abe Ruth struck out once or twice in his career." and i but still built like a hall of fame legacy <laughs> and i plan on doing that the same thing. Kevin, of course, we got to talk some baseball. Yeah, here.
0: i have this note too. You want you just go cuz i you, i had the same note. You 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 rip it off here.
3: Okay, so Br- Babe Ruth obviously once known or for twice. his twice. <laughs>
0: once <laughs> or twice. Babe
3: Ruth was the the most amazing home run hitter until Barry Bonds happens, right? Like so he so he led the league, the American League in home runs for uh Uh, 12 times. He led the American league in walks 11 times. What people don't know is that he led the league in strikeouts five seasons. Now he didn't quite have over a hundred strikeouts in a season, but man, by the time he was done, he struck out 1,330 times in his career. He was, as people use the term now, a real three outcome hitter. Home runs, strikeouts, and walks. He was a guy who could play in modern-day baseball, but make no mistake about it. This guy struck out more than once or twice in his career.
0: Uh, yes, the Rob Deere of his time. the Dave <laughs> Kingman of his time. Uh, I was going to
3: go with Dave Kingman there. No, yeah. Dave
0: Kingman, uh, who was truly obnoxious. I just got this old book. Um, so prior to your time, Tom, in 1984, there's this fun little paperback called Baseball's greatest insults, which is just a compendium really of like all these great – like, people used to talk shit in sports. People think they talk trash now. Like people would go on the record in sports like about a teammate, about their manager, about their owner, and it was great. So there's a compendium, and, and there's an entire section devoted to Dave Kingman. He was so hated um, in <laughs> baseball. It, it's a totally – next time you're out here, you got you got to take a spin through this book. But um, I, I thought the Elimination Challenge – Great optics, dr- the drawing of the knives, Tom. We got pig and pinot. It's a big ask, 150 tasting portions. I always love the stress that's added when you see all those people like lined up, coming to like hit the table and you got to get 150 <laughs> things out there. They do such a great job with that. Uh, they had to draft wines, which was interesting.
3: All right. Um, so I'm not
0: a, yeah. uh, a wine
3: snob. Um I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm still in my bourbon phase, uh,
0: and that's so a good phase. You don't kind of come out of that phase. That's a good phase to stay in, my friend. There are yeah. plenty of wine snobs out there.
3: So let me ask you um, did you did you know some of these wines?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it is funny. The Riccioli is is one that it, it's a, it's just a really solid California Pinot, and it was the first taken. The thing that surprised me was like nobody went for the Chablis. Like so, there are these there are a couple of the red Burgundies on the table. And I'm not going to say that, like, look, there's California Pinot that's beautiful, but like red burgundy is just really lovely. And I was shocked that Jen, and I think she was shocked, like she was what, six or seven, that she was the first one to go, to go burgundy. Mm. Um, so I was just kind of, that That surprised me is that people were just taking the Americans and, and leaving these lovely soft Pinots from burgundy. That's really kind of their, their distinction. They're a little more earthy. They tend to be softer, a little more finessed. There are a lot of, like, big California pinots. Not big in the cab sense, but, you know, just, like, bigger, more new world. And uh, so I was shocked they were left on the board. Can I ask you a dumb question,
3: Kevin? No.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. Um... Hey, listener. It's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer, May, is here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not-so-wise man once said, It's not that hard. Just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from ButcherBox? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high quality meat and seafood you can trust, delivered right to your doorstep, free shipping, always. A variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need. Premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store, you're stressed, you got a lot of food to get, and then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins or salmon in every box for an entire year plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com/dings and use code DINGS D I N G S. Chop chop. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Amber hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, (laughs) carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it
3: now with Game Pass. When they talk about you need like a big flavors to balance out a big red, like Charlie Perelman mentioned this, which was like, Hey, if you're going to have a big cab, you need to really come out with like a big red wine, a big red. I always thought that like you don't want to fight fire with fire. And and with wine pairings, do you really want to go with like a big bold dish to balance out a big red? Like that didn't really make sense. Wouldn't you want something a little bit lighter so it's not heavy, heavy? I
0: mean, that's totally intuitive, right? I, the way I kind of think of it is like think about having like a big uh, set of like – of, of, of drays on your head right like like two one ear uh, headphones like one ear and the other ear it's weird to listen to music when one ear is much louder than the other ear right like you can listen to it and, and it's still a great melody you can hear the harmony but it's just like something's off when one of your um one of your ears is, is, is either tighter or louder or softer than the uh-huh, other. They're uh-huh. not kind of And I think that's kind of the thing with like wine and food. So intuitively, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't want this big wine, but you need it to sort of you 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 need it to sort of match. Like if you're gonna have this big steak a, a big cab or an amaroni, if you like Italian, big Italian wines will sort of not so it, it will it will highlight the, the 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 sheer bigness of the beef, the sheer just meatiness of it will be complemented. it's not so much to offset it's sort of a, okay it, it's a compliment. So that's to balance it out no it's not really to balance right it's more okay. to that's accentuate it's more to frame it's more kind of it's along for the ride it's and vice versa i think that's more it i'm not articulating this very well but the headphone thing is, is kind of the first thing that came to mind it was just like yeah actually you do need them to be sort of in the same you know kind of equal amplitude amplification there okay
3: so if you have a light fish you want a light wine like i yeah. always i always associate Hey, if you have like a white fish you want to have like a a, a pinot grigio or something like that a, a sauvignon blanc or something like
0: that. right like you like you like a nice white or even like a, a lighter brighter red that is just not as like woof, if you have fish um because
3: i always consider c- cooking you want to like hit a big flavor with some acidity to cut it but that's not really what you're doing with wine. I guess you maybe got, you got are. tannins.
0: You got tannins, which are not really acidity at all. But like there's astringency there, right? It kind of – it can it can cut down the size of a wine in a good way. Um, OK. So okay. yeah, anyway. It's um, – I, mean, I would have had trouble with this. Like I think to just – I'll be honest. Like without having to get in, to taste all nine, like once you start saying, well, this Pinot needs – would have been OK with this, but not this Pinot. Like – That's a little advanced for me. I mean, I know the difference between a big Pinot versus an earthier Pinot versus sort of a a Pinot with more finesse or or a more tannic Pinot, but I'm not, like, I can't get that far deep. I'm not, I'm not there.
3: Yeah, I'm not there either. And it sounded like Robin didn't really know what she was doing um, with this one. She'd probably be on the same level as me is just making it up as you go along. And I, I like this challenge a lot because not only do you have to flex your pork knowledge, but also you have to flex a little bit of the wine pairing. And as Brian Voltaggio said, you know, I consider wine as part of the ingredient when I'm cooking a dish. But Eli comes in here strong again where he says he's got – he cooks in a restaurant with like over 110 uh, wine pairings for his dishes or like something like that. And then they had like the big trapeze artist who's flying – the the wine angels that are flying in the air. And I don't understand why they got to like move their legs in the air. But apparently it's part of the whole like Cirque du Soleil aspect of it. I've never been to this restaurant or been to a restaurant like this that has that gimmick. But um, the point is Eli, even though he's 25 years old, he knows shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he was a really interesting contestant this week. Uh, he didn't finish neither on the top or the bottom, but uh, he also what I thought was very interesting and, and every once in a while you get to see kind of chef consensual chef culture rear itself is it, it, it may, it's probably second nature to them. It took me a while and probably you a while it's like everyone was like, oh, you lucky guy like like Charlie himself said, you lucky guy, you drew pork belly. Now, yeah. and, I, and I think the implication is It's fatty. You can do a lot with it. It's not – it's pretty – to me, the interpretation for me is I want pork belly in this situation because it's really hard to fuck up pork belly. Like there's just so much fat content. It's so forgiving. And that's also just because it's going to taste good. But I did think it was not – it was not lost on me that when he drew pork belly, he was like lucky guy. And then Jen, who had the wild card, didn't think twice. She took pork belly.
3: Jen, man, Jen is just the best and uh, not just because we had her on the pod last week, but she comes up with a pork belly bean, like summer, summer elevated pork and beans with the soy sauce broth. I mean, you know what? I got to hand it to her. I don't think I said it on the show with her. Just give me anything with like a soup or a broth or something like that. She, she does it here too. And, um, they loved her dish and I just think anything, like even soup dumplings, like it's just delicious. Once you throw a little bit of soup and I'm a guy who like, when I grew up as a kid, two out of the seven days, lunch would be a ramen noodle. Like I would just take the raw and I was this weird kid that sometimes i wouldn't even cook it. I would just munch on the ramen noodle raw. That's and uh,
0: that's weird. And I well, have some Kevin, weird you halves. also, I know you have I eat weird chicken halves. raw. I know. I
3: know. And, and And you, and you eat your cereal with half and half. So like, the, the thing that I would do is I would sprinkle the chicken-flavored packet, um, the, dust it onto the top of the ramen basically filet, um, this, this this block of ramen noodle, raw ramen noodle, and I would eat it just straight up and it was delicious. Now, I am coming in here with a bias that I loved soup as a kid, still do love soup. Like I eat a lot of tomato, um, uh, tomato bisque here in the house. Like I love it. It's great. Now, I think – Jen has figured out that in her restaurant and in Top Chef, it always does well. If you throw in a little bit of uh, you know broth or consomme, something something a little soup in it, it's going to do well. But I will say this, Kevin. Um, I really enjoyed the Eli and uh, Robin beef. Like that, that one, it felt it, it was great. I enjoyed it. Um, Eli was cooking in the kitchen and Robin and him were just getting going after it about cleaning and they're just, you know, bitching at each other. And weirdly enough, Michael Voltaggio was guessing that they've hooked up. That they were – like he was trying to hook up with with uh, and flirting with uh, Robin. Now, what was your take? Did you see Eli as flirting with Robin or did no, you like- – No, I
0: see I, – I see Voltaggio trolling Eli. That's just kind <laughs> yeah. of what's going on there. I don't think there's anything – hey, I could be wrong. Strange things can happen when you detain people in a reality show environment and you sequester them half the time and then make them like, like – Work with, you know, with, without compensation the other time. But no, man, I, I was just like I had that was sort of the cutaway. You know, they have these funny little cutaways, you know, uh, bumps before and after the commercial. Was it like Eli's the guy, you know, you can just screw with in a, in a totally lovable way. And it's 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 fun. It's sport.
3: When they called her Rotten Robin, it was, I was like, that is, that is, I mean, at least she's playing it off. You know, she's, she's playing along for the joke. And I know Eli said, you're not my mother. And she, would, she goes, well, if I was your mother, I would have raised you better. And I was like, oh, so and I'm sure his mother was watching. No doubt. If he's living at home, I'm sure his mother was watching Top Chef. Um but, you know, I, I get it if I'm Eli and she's just yapping my ear off. And I'm sure at that point it's just like, shut up already. And we talked to Jen last week about this is just, you know, she, um, you know, she was an earful for sure. And and I I thought that was a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of uh, Rose Real, Real World uh, dynamics here.
0: Yeah, she's she's needy. And, and I think and I, and I don't say that with any disdain. She's just she's she's clearly needy. And that's sort of my my armchair analysis of uh, just, just you know, the, the need to have connection with a conversation that's really only one-sided. Um, just the need to both be in the way and, you know, be the mom. It, it's just, it's a, there's a certain neediness there. Jen is, um, Jen's such a fun chef to watch because, you know, she takes the pork belly but goes the other way. She's somehow going to make it. You to braise it in soy sauce and make it light. I don't know a chef on this show in recent memory who does a better job at kind of finessing the unfinessable. Like she can take heavy food and just turn it into a bright dish. And I just, it's not something I'm even close to even knowing how to do. It's mm. like if I, if I do it, if I do a heavy dish for you, Tom, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be robust and yummy and savory, and oh, you're going to walk out of my house with a, you know, with your your belt unbuckled and and like and that's great. But she's somehow able to take like dishes that should not be light or ingredients that should not be light and compose just bright light, just mm-hmm. finessed dishes. And I just I love her game. And I'm I'm you know it's not just because we had a conversation with her. Just watching her each of the last two seasons, I just. I've come like this, these are skills I want to learn. Let's just say it she's a in check.
3: so much control. Yeah, like she just knows what she's gonna do, and um, no doubt that she was gonna be in the top one on this one, Kevin. And speaking of
0: Kevin, your namesake, this was a Kevin episode. Oh, how much pride! Like he won the pork challenge. Is there anybody who's who is there ever been anyone more happy to win? I mean, maybe some of those family and story ones that get really personal and people get really emotional. But, I mean, in terms of just a non-personal, non-familial ch- elimination challenge, has anybody been more overjoyed and rightly so to win? Like, he won the Pork Challenge. Of course Kevin wins the Pork Challenge. He should win the Pork Challenge. The, the cosmos would be misaligned if he didn't win the Pork Challenge. He takes that pork leg and what does he do? Tom! Tom! He's not just doing up his, you know, I uh, you know, braise a pork shoulder, do pull bark. No, he makes a pate. Not what I saw coming, Tom Haverstrow.
2: No. I thought
0: he'd he, do like that. I thought it was going to be like a fucking Flintstones pork leg. I didn't know what he was going to do. And he, he comes out and says, I'm going to do a pate. I'm like, really?
3: Yeah. And not only that, like he 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 knows pork better than anybody maybe on the planet. Right. And he knows that the pork leg is going to be lean. So what does he do? He goes straight to the butcher and says, give me pork belly and get me or get me bacon or pork belly. And also all the lard that you have to compensate for how light this, or lean this leg is going to be. So, you know, what's funny is I didn't even know that you could do that. I thought like if whatever pork um, pork portion that you got you had to just roll with that. But no, he's like, no, I know pork, so I'm gonna go and compensate and just get the best version of the pork dish that I can to compensate this particular leg of 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 pig. And so he um he just took. Totally owns this this dish with the terrine and the hazelnuts, and he's he's actually like when he started describing the vineyard with the I know that they used in the vineyard hazelnuts and it has a note of hazelnuts. I was like, this guy is is Michael Jordan against the Celtics in that in that series where he when he goes for sixty plus, like he was so in his element on here. There was no doubt in my man my mind as soon as he pulled that leg of lamb or leg of uh, pork. When he pulled his knife and he had that look on his face, like "yep, got this. I know what I'm doing." I mean, you just you could have handed him the
0: W right there. I would also say, turning like rendering the fat into a mayo is super cool too.
3: <laughs> He's he yeah. This was this was a Kevin episode for sure. And I'm wondering, Kevin, do you think he was more excited about doing the pig and Pinot um, event? As part of his
0: prize, oh, I, I think in terms of prize, it was it was endearing because it's so clearly, yeah, maybe he'd rather have twenty five grand or something, but like if you are not gonna have a monetary prize, I think that's about as as beautiful a prize and appropriate prize for a challenge winner as you can get. And uh, so I was very happy for him just because it's like nobody loves pork more than or nobody loves anything as much as, as <laughs> much as Kevin Gillespie loves pork, and and so that was great. Um, both Voltaggio brothers had a nice showing. Uh uh, it, it's also funny. I um, I, I did not ever have Michael Voltaggio braising anything in root beer. Me neither. Me neither. Did not see that one coming.
3: Um, Especially for that chef. Yeah. Like when he was when he was thinking like, you know, I got I got to impress Charlie Palmer because, you know, I've got a chip on my shoulder and they worked there for a year. And Brian Voltaggio says that he hates me. Um, I thought he was going to do something very, very just technical and, 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 uh, something very sophisticated. Maybe it was like actually making a root beer dish, but I never would have thought that he would have been like, you know what? I'm going to do root beer.
0: It's just a totally downscale, uh, alternative for an upscale guy.
3: Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Um, And, you know, he doesn't he doesn't win with that dish. Brian Voltaggio and him got in a little fight over the Gladware, which I appreciate as someone with, you know, two older brothers and one brother during this week was trying to uh, bully me on the ping pong table. Um, And he was like, oh, you know, being condescending on a hit. I tried to I tried to spike it and just like send it into the next county. And he was like, Tom, why are you doing that? Very condescending. And I was like, you know what? I'm beating you, motherfucker. I know you're my older brother and I'm punching above my weight here, but I'm actually beating you six to three in this game right now. So don't give me the, oh, what are you doing, young child? What are you doing, little brother? And and Michael Voltage is doing the same thing with the gladware. Like, beat it, motherfucker. I'm using this, I'm using I'm using the saran wrap here, or the gladware, sorry. And and you know what, step aside. I gotta use this here. And I get it. As a younger brother who has a bullying older brother sometimes. I'm totally with that. Yeah, those a little trolling there too as well.
0: Yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't completely buying it, but uh, maybe that's
3: me. Yeah, he uh, was just, you know, pulling roll after roll at, at some point just, just to stick it to his older brother. I get that too. Uh,
0: you know, it's funny. Brian does a very safe dish and it works. And I kind of respect the, the safeness of it. Um, he is sometimes, you know, it's funny for a guy who does play around with textures and is clearly part of the new school – um, he often does go safe, but to a very good effect. I mean, he's going to, you know, he's going to get four hours for ribs that should be probably braised eight to 12 hours by his estimation. But he puts it with a parsnip puree and more stater. Like it's it's just it's a it's a dish that makes sense. Probably I'm not going to win him anything, but we'll get him on top. Uh, I thought, you know, Voltage, Michael Voltage had a really interesting comment that I was thinking about. And I'm kind of going through the catalog of my favorite chefs in, in my head seeing how to say he says that a chef who stays in one place like his brother, Brian, who worked in, 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 in Pablo's kitchen for 10 years. Uh, yeah. Versus a nomad of a chef, chefs who kind of, mm. you know, kind of a protean. They kind of hang around, maybe they go to a different country. Maybe they do a different experience. I'm going to do this for a few years. And then I, hell, I, I mean, I used to do Asian flavors, but now I'm just sort of, a you know, it is interesting and I, I don't, it's sort of a great proxy for life. Right? Do you want to be someone who has one career, or somebody who has five? Or, or hey, you know, I, I always like when I, you know, you'll see a you'll see a byline in the New York Times or somewhere, and it's like, oh, this person was the bureau chief in Cairo, and oh, then like wrote about sports, and then oh, yeah, uh, covered Capitol Hill and campaigns, and then oh, wrote a book that they spent two years researching uh, on true crime and uh, you know the north of England or something. And I, I just do. There's a, there's a certain you know which is a better Route? And the answer is there's no such thing as a better route, but just those who choose to kind of be, to learn one under one uh, circumstance or, or under one mentor versus those who sort of are nomadic in, in their craft.
3: Yeah, and usually if you're starring at one chef, you or one restaurant, you want to keep it going. But some want to just, you know, leave buy buy low and sell high and move on to the next one. I, I think about LeBron versus Larry Bird. You know, just the loyalty of of Larry Bird playing in Boston or LeBron and being like, you know what, I'm good here. I'm gonna go to Miami, and I'm good in Miami. I'm gonna go to Cleveland. I'm good in Cleveland. I'm gonna go to L.A. And who knows where he goes next? But you know LeBron clearly does not subscribe to the idea that I, I need to stay at one place my yeah. entire career. But you know part of that is that because you know Cleveland was Cleveland. But the um but the point here is that you're, you're making is you know is is did Brian Voltaggio give up some of his years by being staying in the same place or did that actually maximize Brian Voltaggio?
0: Uh I think they both are really good chefs, and I think the answer <laughs> yeah, yeah. is is it's temperamental and. You know, I'm on like my third career or whatever, and but it's, it, every, you know, everyone's different. It was just, but I hadn't thought about it. Like I hadn't thought about classifying chefs as being either peripatetic or, hey, I'm gonna kind of go not straight and narrow, but I, I'm going to have, you know, I, I, i this is this is who I'm learning under. I'm gonna rise in the ranks of this operation for ten years. You know, and then maybe I go out on my own versus just sort of collecting experiences, which can be kind of jarring and not terribly secure, and you don't know where your pay- paycheck yeah. coming from next year or whatever.
3: So let's get to Ash.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I've been saying it for a while. They said it. I, I love this guy. Um, he might be. He might win my uh, trapped in an elevator contest just because he seems to such a like a pleasant man, but. Man, it's always like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Like, we always go to him and not even – it's not even like at the end. Like, we don't – he doesn't get 25, 30 minutes into the kitchen before the entire thing he (laughs) either realizes isn't achievable or doesn't think it's achievable or shouldn't be achieved or tried to achieve but realized he couldn't. And it's just like – I mean, I, I don't know if it's confidence. It might just be he's he, he's he's bad at the art of estimating what is possible given this time frame and this ingredients and this infrastructure. But you know, I, I just it's like I, I love him as a guy, but it's just like I, I, he just induces so much eye rolling. Um. Oh, it's gonna be tenderloin with polenta and a cherry glass. By the way, it's not like he's trying to reinvent the wheel here. And then it turns into like a cherry corn salad. Blah. Just everything is over promising and under delivering. I, I and it's it's not happened once or twice or three times. This is the enduring theme in this guy's tenure as a top chef contestant. And it's frustrating because you do like him, but it's just I mean,
3: come on. Yeah. And I was so happy to see when Tom Colicchio said it, you know, you know, this is becoming a pattern for you. Uh, Ash. Like you, 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 decide to do one thing and then you go another and you don't have time and you, do, you know, you reverse course. You don't really think of it through conceptually. Um, and Kevin, you were, you were spot on. You're, you're miles ahead of, of everyone else on this. You had it on your radar that Ash just doesn't either want to commit or he commits and just doesn't think about the ramifications. And it's just, yeah, you're not fit for this challenge. And he's, he, he comes in and if you were going to switch from the polenta, I just don't even mention it. Just don't even mention about the polenta thing because you're giving them what they want, which is an excuse. And Tom was all over him being like, look, man, you do this every week. Like the idea that you had a good idea and then you didn't go in that direction isn't going to help you. In fact, it's going to backfire and it backfired for him and they sent him home. But my favorite line of the entire episode was when he sits back in his chair in the stew room. And what does he say? Oh, I forgot flavor. <laughs> he's, I he's, just he's winning. Even
0: when he's losing, he's winning. I like the guy. I feel terrible dragging him on our show every week because I, I say, like, by the way, uh, we'll get to where are they now? Because uh, he, he's an interesting where are they now? Uh, their other uh, pulling up the rear is I thought Lorraine was going home for that pork riette. Yeah, um, cat food I think was. Oh, was cat that the previous food. week? Was that that was this week? Right, that was this
3: week. Described as yeah, okay. cat food, and um, I want to ask Kevin because because Toby Young was on this episode too. Where's our Where's our girl Gail?
0: I don't know. I mean, she, is this the she's year, been she out? Might have been she she deliver a baby possibly? Is that maybe? Oh. You know, people uh, we get busy. Her. Not everybody can just fly into Vegas for three days. Tom, I know. Everybody I, I miss can her. Do that.
3: I miss her. She's been
0: gone for a couple, maybe a few weeks here. So I, I'm missing, a few, but I have to tell you this. I mean, look, I know he's controversial. I know he has adopted some ideas that are potentially very bad and his sort of winding career, but I'll take Toby any day. That guy's great. Tom, the he's shaved just, armpit and the hairy armpit line. I like mean, just- he's fantastic. <laughs> and I think often I, the biggest assholes are the best top chef judges. I'm sorry, but they are. Yep. And, I'll take I love when he's at judge's table. I love mm-hmm. when he's critiquing. I loved Harry Armpit's shape armpit. <laughs> I just like it's just stylized criticism of food. It's just a real art form and he knows how to execute it. So
3: And, and Charlie really dunked on Laureen. Like was really like, Do you even know how to make a roulette? And she's like, da, da, da. And she, he's like, No, you gotta poach that shit. And she's like, Yikes. In fact, um,
0: I mean it is yeah. it's basically kind of like a confit. To, to kind of cultural circle. And it's nothing I would try without knowing. I, I just wouldn't. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. He, is she
3: like, is her usage rate on this, this season, like at
0: 8%? Oh, you mean in terms of our time just, on the camera?
3: Yeah. Just like, I, I just forgot about her. Like I, I, she's just, she's not getting, she's not, you know, a very memorable ca- uh, character she, in the She sense seems that, like
0: a very nice person. Like that seems, she reminds me of like half of my female friends. Like she seems really Pleasant and um, smart. And I don't, this is not a knock on her, Kevin. This I don't think she has me, much just, of a culinary style. I think is the issue, Tom.
3: Yeah, I, I just when when she cooks a dish, I'm not like, you know what, that's gonna win, or you know what, um, I get that's the type of chef she is. So, uh, she's on the bottom as well, um, and she gets the question from Padma, which is always the kiss of death. Is, did did you, did you
0: taste your dish? Um, and- I would just lie at a certain point. <laughs> if you if you the there's no. There's no – there's only one answer to that question, and now the problem is if you say yes and it's horrible, then you're more culpable, right? So actually I take this back, right? There, there is no if, – if, if your food is terrible, there is no way to approach that answer because if you tried it and and it was bad and you knew it was bad, you're an idiot. If, if, if you tried it and thought it was good but it was bad, you're an idiot. If you didn't try it, you're an idiot. I think like, you go with the didn't try. Because I don't, that I don't believe I'm lying is really my issue. So mm, it's a
3: problem. True, true. I don't
0: lie.
3: So maybe if you're, if you know you're cooking up a stink bomb, you just don't try it. And then you have, uh, you know, you have plausible deniability.
0: I so would Robin, say, Robin- no, I left that for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know a clunker when I see it. I wasn't going to eat that shit. My only, yeah, my I deserve only, to be as I go yeah. home. My, my only satisfaction is you had to eat it. That's what I would say. Um, <laughs> Robin, she with go her home. Por- well, let's talk about Robin for a second. Just no porkiness is my note. No porkiness. <laughs> she thin slices pork loin, which is just weird. It's like those weird, cold, chilled pork slices you get like on a Eastern European carrier and like uh, when you're flying, and it's just like the gelatinous. Sl- <laughs> little thin slices of chilled pork like, just look awful why um, would you
3: thinly slice a pork chop who likes a know. thinly sliced pork what well, was loin
0: it was loin loin
3: whatever like don't yeah. don't do that no. no you like the
0: sort of you like that weight it has um, a sliminess to it no porkiness i mean that's a quite a line there yeah the problem is is like you know i looked at her components apple fennel roulade and a sour cherry coffee demiglace. like that's kind of sounds good i mean i like those that's what I, you do with a pork loin. Apples are kind of a classic accompaniment. But like, I don't know. Maybe she just can't cook. I mean, there's just a – sometimes we sit here. Sometimes we – what can they finesse up a heavy ingredient? Sometimes we're looking at what did they braise it in root beer. Do they know how to do Riet? And sometimes people just don't know how to cook all that well. But Robin, Tom, it is truly interesting. And I, maybe you have to go through the stats for next week. Has anyone – it's my estimation that except for the team challenges – Robin has been like second or third from the bottom. She is amazing. It's 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 like dodgeball. She's the kid who can hide for a long enough time that the ball's not going to get her, and she kind of inconspicuously slinking off to the side, or or in the old you don't have to unroute, un-route outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the other guy. She's yeah, always that's, outrunning that's one it. person. Yeah, that's it,
3: it. So she up until this point has two. This is her second low. Believe it or not. That's only her second. Well, in that's because she's always three.
0: paired with really good people and always escapes low when she's in team competitions.
3: Right. So maybe she has a good plus minus simply because she's playing with other people that are that are, yeah. that, are that are good with her. So um, the only other person in the competition that hadn't had a top three um, was Ash. So Ash and Robin were in the bottom here, and neither Ash or Robin had ever been in the top three yet. Um, and so Ash goes home. And delivers the line of the, the week, which is, oh, I, you know, I forgot flavor. Oh, and I was like, it just, it just slayed me. And it was sad to see him go. Um, and Robin is just hanging on by a thread. And we're getting plenty of drama from Robin. So at least she's giving that, delivering that.
0: Yeah, it, it's only a matter of time. And we're down to eight. Tom, am I wrong? I believe I'm right. It, we are Ooh. up against restaurant wars, are we not? We are. The, so the Ash a great not
3: Yeah, Ash doesn't get to be a part of the restaurant wars coming up here. And, you know, um, let's do let's do. where are they now? Chef right. Ash Folk from season six, Las Vegas Top Chef.
0: Where is he now, Kevin? He is the pit master of the very well-regarded Brooklyn branch of – or the Brooklyn branch of the very well-regarded Hill Country Barbecue in New York City. Mm. considered to be one of the best Texas, if not the best Texas style barbecue in the five boroughs. He is the Brooklyn pit master. You can go see various appearances, sort of uh, instructing people in the, in the, in the art of smoking meat and uh, seems to be very happy, uh, Seems to be married. And uh, that's not a bad landing spot. Hill country is, is a favorite. Any people who are sentenced to living in New York city, uh, I know from from sort of the middle of the country they love hill country barbecue. They do a great brisket. They uh, I've been it's it's a it's a good spot. So um, good for him. I, I didn't realize that smoking meats was sort of his thing, and but now apparently it, it is a vocation.
3: Yeah, he's um, he's a really funny guy. He actually uh, hit us up right
0: when we announced that we were doing this. And- oh, now I feel terrible. I didn't know that, and I've been mean to him.
3: No, you haven't. You've been you've been balancing out all Just your calling critiques. him like I
0: see him. That's all I'm doing. Just calling him like
3: I see him. <laughs> yeah. Um he he's a guy who I think would appreciate um our commentary on this. I mean, he's I checking his Instagram recently, he's doing stand-up. Like he's doing open mic night um fundraisers. So I think he's part of this whole thing. So um Chef Ash, open invitation if you're listening. Um, I'm going to reach out to you because we'd love to have you on the show. And now that you've been eliminated, I feel like you can get a lot of stuff off your chest. And this is... Yeah, we, um, we, come on. Yes, he should come on. He He's great. I mean, I, I, he's one of those that I would like to have him on every episode. I think he's got... He, he's kind of like... You know what? He's he's Stephanie Smart from last, last, last season. His one-liners, the commentary... He's fantastic. So um, he is the Stephanie, honorary Stephanie of this, uh, of this, of this season. Um, last thoughts here, Kevin. I, my only thing is we, we know, we know who's, who's legit in this competition. It's so clear when you're, when you get to this point, Kevin wins the pig and Pino. He's uh, in the top in the eliminate. I mean, the quick, quick fire, Brian, the Voltaggio brothers, Kevin and Jen, we're we're setting us up for a showdown here in the second half of the season.
0: I love the top of this field. I really do. Uh, Jen, by the way, if I'm doing – if I'm drafting for Restaurant Wars, I don't even – I mean, look, I know Michael Voltaggio is ridiculously talented. There's only one person I absolutely want on my team of those eight people, and it's not even close.
3: Yeah, I kind of feel like Michael, while he might have the best vision – I don't know if he's the best leader simply because he's he's a ball hog. You know, you know that if you're going to have him on his team, you, he's going to be on your team. You got to give him every open shot like you, you have to give him the ball, whereas I think Jen yeah. is more of an egalitarian like offense, She knows what she wants to do, but she's going to make sure everyone's delegated in the right role.
0: Oh, yeah, she's I mean, I, she's who I want running. I mean, I don't know if you could do a front back annex. I mean, end line I mean, like a running everywhere. I would like to clone her for a re, uh, restaurant wars contest because i achieved she, i think it's truly one of the great restaurant war if that were in its own show and actually that would be really interesting could you imagine and you switch up the variables so so i'm just thinking out loud here could you have a season of top chef that just went from one restaurant wars to the other you know you could start with okay a, a, a food truck teams of two okay which i think they've done so variations of restaurant war. We just call it. We just call the show Restaurant Wars. Then you do okay. You got to do a full stand at a ball game or something. So you got to. You have thousands of people coming in and out, right? See, so that's one. You then get to various, you know, tasting Food menu truck. or, or uh, uh, yeah, like I so, said. So, but but you you kind of work up to more classical formats. But I would watch Restaurant Wars every day. You I just know, can't invite a, Kevin Gillespie. Can't invite Kevin Gillespie, but but you just there's so many. It's hard infrastructurally to do that if you're a show, but I think I just would love – I would watch a restaurant war every night if I could. It's hey, so interesting. Hey, uh,
3: I think it's time to call up your buddy. My buddy? Next
0: week. Hershey. Oh, Hershey Ash. All right, Hershey. Hershey's getting a call.
3: Hershey's <laughs> yeah. getting a call. Let's bring him in out of the bullpen, Hershey Ash, for next week's episode of Restaurant Wars. We
0: got to do it. I'm going to buy him episode, whatever number it is, season six on Amazon, send it to him. And oh, this is fun. Very excited about this. Uh, we, we will get at Hershey Ash. We can't promise it. Um, Hershey has other commitments, but uh, we will try to make this happen. Got to make it happen. All right, Kevin, take us out. Tom Haberstro, this is Kevin ornaments and this is Pack Your Knives.